0: Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple Follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing. God's Word. hearts and our minds, O Lord, to be receptive to this thy holy word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the sourness of our lives be transformed into the sweetness of the sweetness of the honey that is your word. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Today we continue our series, Breaching the Divide, by continuing with Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. We started off in chapter 12, Paul instructing the church concerning the divisions they have as it relates to spiritual gifts. Paul then instructing the church to be able to say, but if you can't kind of dwell within that diversity of your body, might we realize love as a more excellent way. But many of us, we stop there at chapter 13, and we say, well, he just wants us to love people or to realize that we are loved. But then in chapter 15, Paul hinges his whole argument. He hinges the whole argument on the resurrection of Jesus Christ now I would remind you brothers and sisters of the good news that I proclaim to you which you in turn receive in which you are also stand through which you are being saved if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you unless you have become to believe In vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas. And then to the twelve, he then appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, so you have come to believe. Friends, these are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you know That if Paul himself considers himself the least of all the apostles. Some 2,000 years later might we say the same of ourselves. Might we not look to all of our good works. But look inside and see that we are yet sinners. Loved and saved by grace. Chief among them, O oh God, is me, and yet you have called me to your service. Take these words of mine, and might they be for the good of your church? But we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I follow on social media from Huffington Post, their good news section. Literally, that's all they try to post on that particular forum, just good news stories, things that make you feel good because of what others have done. Recently, I read an article that they had posted about a Milwaukee bus driver who was being praised for the way she helped a homeless passenger get some needed assistance. In October, this bus driver, Natalie Barnes, started talking with a passenger named Richard. Richard told her that he had been homeless for about a week because the place he was living was condemned. Now, it's getting late autumn, early winter, So Richard asked Natalie if he could ride the bus throughout the night in order to stay out of the cold of Milwaukee. And Natalie said, absolutely, you just stay right on here with me. Natalie later recounted, she said, at some point in our lives, everybody needs some help. And I wanted to do what I could to help Richard in some way. At one point during her shift, Natalie took a break at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and she offered to get Richard a bite to eat. Richard said, I don't know how to say anything other than thank you. And that somehow I will pay you back. And she said, no, no, I don't want you to pay me back. This is what I wanted to do for you. Evidently, Natalie Barnes wasn't, this wasn't the first time she had ever been kind to someone. During another break, she reached out to a friend who helped get Richard into temporary shelter. So he no longer had to ride her bus throughout the night. Barnes and Richard, they became friends during that six hour bus ride. Now Richard has her cell phone number and they keep in touch regularly. Natalie says that they keep in, That every couple of days he thanks me every time he talks to me for helping him. He calls me his little guardian angel. And she said, I'm so happy to say that Richard is progressing well. Helping others. Helping others come second nature to Barnes, the Huffington Post article writes who has received three commendations for outstanding service in just the two years that she has been employed by the company. She regularly takes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the bus with her to share with those people who are in need as they ride along. Milwaukee city officials said that Natalie's kindness, compassion, and respect for this man are what that area needs most. They said, Natalie displayed and demonstrated what we all need to do to fight homelessness. We need to look out for each other, it says. We need to take care of each other. We need to work for each other. When I read it, it was a deeply moving story. It's a great story, in fact. It really is. These are the stories that we love to share. These are the stories we love to spread to others. These are indeed good news. These are stories that we love and would love to imitate in our own lives. Some of us might even pray that each day someone might be put onto our path so that we might make their day a little bit better. Stories like this show the nature of everyday heroes. People who are actively putting others before themselves and seeking after the welfares of those who are less fortunate. Some would even go to great lengths of saying that Natalie is demonstrating the very heart of the gospel through her service. Except... There's one problem. Being a good person has never been being a good person has never been the church's proclamation of the heart of the gospel. Being a good person morally and ethically sound socially and politically acceptable these qualifying markers might get you a job, they might get you a relationship, but they will not give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, this is precisely the problem we find ourselves as a church today. Churches have traded the gospel of Jesus Christ in for some easy moralism and feel-good stories. Mm -hmm. We have traded the gospel of Jesus Christ in. To now, the church is nothing other than a secondary option to the key club or the rotary club. That's where people go who want to be good, someone might say. That's where people go who might want to be nice, to act ethically, to do kind things. But that's not the gospel. The church's witness today, instead of witnessing to the gospel, the church's witness today in many places sounds something like this. There is a God who could not stand your sin. And therefore, that God sends his son to atone for those sins on your behalf because God can't stand to look at sin, i.e. God can't stand to look at you. So this God that can't stand your sin sends his son to atone for those sins so that God might actually be in relationship with you to do for you what you could not do for yourself. And this God also once you accept him into your heart, is keeping a ledger of how well you are living up to his son's sacrifice by once again counting your trespasses against you until you again confess. This is the gospel that our churches proclaim. That the God who came in Jesus Christ to atone for the sins of the world is now the God who says, I want you to accept me into your heart and then live as if you do not sin." That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. Please do not get me wrong. Natalie's actions toward the poor and the destitute, your moral upstanding in society, they demonstrate what we might call the fruits of the gospel. But the fruits are just that, fruit, they are not the gospel themselves. You see, Paul turns in his argument in 1 Corinthians 15. He reminds the people who are bringing one another to court. He reminds the people who are having a hard time celebrating diversity in their midst. He reminds all of those people of the very simple message. He says to them, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, if you can't love one another, if you can't get along with one another, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of one thing of first importance. Remember the good news. Remember the gospel that I proclaim to you. Remember what that gospel actually is. Paul's letters are written, some scholars would suggest, 20 to 50 years before the actual gospels themselves that we have in our Bible are written. So when we encounter Paul's letters, we are in a very real sense, even more so than the Gospels themselves, we are encountering the thoughts of the earliest followers of Jesus Christ. We're encountering what made them a church. We're encountering what made them such a unique people. We're encountering the very problem that created the problem that they have, Which is, we have people that the law says shouldn't be here. And they're here now. And we don't know what to do with them. So please help us, Paul. And Paul is saying, remember the gospel. So the question is, what is the Gospel? What is the very message that all of us sometimes forget because we ground ourselves so entrenched in moralism, we forget the Gospel? What is the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Friends, it's simple. Paul says, I handed on to you. This is the earliest church's witness. I handed on to you as of first importance what I had received. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. That's why you come here. Come here to be better people. We don't come here to receive some sort of instruction. Yes, those things are our fruits. But we come here week after week because if you're like me, you remember I need to hear the message of the gospel because this week I wasn't very good at it. I forgot who I was. I forgot that I was actually a sinner and it's okay that sometimes I fail because that is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that I could not do it by myself. God came in the person of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He rose for our sake. And because of that, everything is new. Nothing about the earliest Christian witness was about what you had to do to achieve Christ. That, my friends, is just the law. The law is about what you must do in order to obtain your righteousness. The scriptures teach us that we have received Christ's righteousness. We have received something outside of ourselves, something we ourselves were not able to possess. And it's only because of this good news. Christ died for our sins, buried was raised, that Paul is able to start his progression of the gospel itself. Because of these things, because Christ died, because Christ was buried, because Christ was raised from the dead, this Christ went to Cephas, then he went to the Twelve, then he appeared to more than 500, most of whom are still alive, some have died. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. Now when he's appearing, he's not telling them, now go live good lives. He's saying, look at me. And look what God has done. God has raised me from the dead. The message of early Christianity was never a message... Of what you must become, it was always simply news. Good news. This is what has been done for you. And it's here that we find Paul saying Christ appeared to all these people. these are the people that Christ should have appeared to his friends his apostles those that somewhat bought his message at the very beginning and then in verse 9 he says but then he also and last of all appeared to me as to one who was untimely born the Greek word there is ektroma ektroma. we read it in a way that says something like untimely born the the actual word is something like we read it he's saying then he appeared to me one of the least I'm no more than a miscarried fetus that's the actual translation of the word I'm the least of all. I'm the lowest of the low. And he appeared to me. And he shouldn't have appeared to me. And he shouldn't have appeared to me because I persecuted his church. But he did. Mm -hmm. Friends, as a church universal, It's okay for us to call people to moral action. It's okay for us to call people and to hold people accountable. But that is not the central message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The central message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. You were dead in your sin. And Christ has raised you from the dead. The central message of the gospel is this. To a world that is so diverse, the central message is this. If Christ died for our sins, was buried, and if he truly was resurrected, then nothing you've ever done matters. Because this God loves you that much. But it's also the same message to be able to say that if Christ did not die for our sins. If Christ was not raised from the dead. Then it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. If Christ has not been raised from the dead. Then nothing matters at all. That's the message of the gospel. Sometimes we complicate it. Sometimes we add to it, but the message has always been the same. Christ died for us and our sins. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead. This, friends, is good news. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.